the Knickknack News. I'm Anthony. And I'm Alex. And my first story today is entertainment news. This is from APNews.com. The headline is, Dictionary.com chooses existential as word of the year. Yes, <laughs> the word of the year. existential y- <laughs> crisis. Yes, the word of the year this year has been chosen as existential crisis implied. Um, this word dates to 1685, derived from the Latin word existentialis, which I don't know if that's how that's pronounced. <laughs> Existentialis. Yes, probably that. <laughs> I have no idea. I never, I never took Latin. <laughs> I never did either. Um, Dictionary.com defines existential as of or relating to existence and of relating to or characteristic of philosophical existentialism or concerned with the nature of human existence as determined by the individual's freely made choices. Hmm. It's very philosophical. Yeah. Dictionary.com crunches lookup and other data to decide which word to anoint each year with this award, I guess. Uh Um, And they've been doing this since 2010. Um, And this word, they said, had a lot of searches in Dictionary.com this year, um, especially in the aftermath of certain events like wildfires and Hurricane Dorian that happened this year, apparently. Dark. A little bit. Um, Also, it has showed up in pop culture, including... Forky the White Plastic Fork from Toy Story 4, which is a movie I haven't seen. Yeah, I haven't seen it either. Uh, And I don't think this is really a spoiler, but I'm just going to say why or what they mentioned here. Um, Apparently, Forky is a character that is convinced his destiny is in the trash until he embraces his purpose as a treasured toy of kindergartner Bonnie. So he basically has an existential crisis (laughs) in Toy Story 4. So that was listed as one of the reasonings. Um, just, or And apparently it's been showing up in pop culture in general this year. Uh-huh. So yeah, check out the article for more examples of why everyone's having an existential crisis in 2019, <laughs> which I'm not going to go into all the examples. Um, There's also the phrase existential threat, which uh, could be used in relation to a lot of things going on in the yes. world. Yes. Yes, it could. That is a very <laughs> good point. And one more fun fact, Oxford Dictionaries, ha- they have picked climate emergency as their word of the year even that's though that's two, two words. words and i feel like that's cheating yeah. but climate emergency is apparently there i, I think existential is a better word but yeah i would argue the same and say one in, kind of fits under the umbrella of the other yes <laughs> <laughs> yes it does <laughs> all right my first story is space news This is from Engadget. Speaking of existentialism, astronomers find stellar black hole so large it shouldn't exist. Oh, how big is it? (laughs) How big is it? I'm going to tell you. Uh, Chinese lettuce uh, researchers have detected a stellar black hole in the Milky Way with a mass so large that it breaks current stellar evolution models. Uh, LB1, a black hole 15,000 light years away has a mass 70 times greater than that of the sun. Oh. Previous estimates suggested that no stellar black hole would have more than 20 times the mass of the sun. So oh. that's a lot more. Yeah. Like a lot. That's a lot more. Really huge. Three and a half times. 
as much. Yes. Yes, as our previous estimates. So, yeah, it's very big. Um, scientists expected many dying stars to shed most of their gas, making something this large impossible without readjusting our currently held theories. Um, the team used China's Large Sky Area Multi-Object Fiber Spectroscopic Telescope, abbreviated to LAMOST, <laughs> which I really... Uh, All right. This telescope right. is LAMOST. <laughs> LAMOST. Um, to find uh, stars orbiting objects that are seemingly invisible. This is a technique that had been proposed back in 1783, so like theoretically possible, um, but it hadn't actually been possible to do practically until recently. Okay. So this is a relatively new technique. Cool. Um, previous detection methods required looking for holes that were eating gas from an existing star, which makes sightings relatively rare. This allows us to detect them without like that star being eaten. It's just based on stars orbiting this object. Okay. So that's how they found it. Um, gotcha. This could force a significant rethinking of how stellar black holes are born, which would change how humanity understands galactic activity on a broader level. So basically, it throws a lot of our existing theories out the window, and we kind of have to rethink uh, some of our assumptions about about the interstellar world, universe. <laughs> I don't know what the right phrase would be. <laughs> if you're scared of black holes before. <laughs> I I was, and I still am, and I just worry that one day we'll be sucked into a black hole. That's what I'm worried about. Well, this, one, this one is 15,000 layers away, so that's that's pretty far. Yeah, but is that far in space, though? I'm honestly not sure. <laughs> I mean, in the in the universe, is that really that far away? And how quickly is it sucking up things? <laughs> that's that's what worries me. I have no idea. I don't think it'll anything will happen in our lifetime, but oh, yeah, certainly not. To <laughs> I think we'll be okay. Do you know that I actually had a nightmare once, like not too long ago, that this like rift opened up in the night sky, and it was like some type of weird space black hole phenomenon, and everyone was like afraid of it, and we didn't know what it was, and it was like. We just didn't know what it was, and we were like, oh my gosh, it might just like destroy the whole planet. We don't know what it is. And it was like the fear of the unknown. <laughs> that was my nightmare. <laughs> oh, existential. <laughs> yeah. That might be the theme of this episode, maybe. <laughs> uh, maybe. Maybe. I'm just thinking about my few, the rest of the stories I have. Oh, yeah. <laughs> okay, my next story is food news. This is from NPR, and the headline is, Farmers are using food waste to make electricity. And I'm going to talk about how, and it's really cool. That sounds productive. Mm -hmm. A recent report from the United Nations from a panel of climate experts estimates that up to 10% of all human-made greenhouse gas emissions are linked to food waste. Such as some background on this. Hmm. One solution to this problem is... Uh, farmers in Massachusetts are using food waste to create electricity... They feed waste into anaerobic digesters, which are large machines built and operated by Vanguard Renewables, I guess, which is a company that makes these. I don't know. Okay. That And it captures methane emissions and makes renewable energy out of it. So the process, um, it's like a multi-step thing. So it begins by um, gathering wasted food from around the state 
including for many Whole Foods locations um, and other locations. So they load waste into trucks and then send them to one of these anaerobic digesters. For example, there is one at Barway Farm in Deerfield, Massachusetts. Um, in addition to food waste from Whole Foods, that farm gets whey, um, like a you know cheese byproduct yeah. from Cabot Creamery in the area, as well as waste from a local brewery and a juice plant. And then in the digester machine, they combine all the waste with manure from cows. Uh-huh. And then they cook that Ew. at 105 <laughs> degrees Fahrenheit. Oh, God. And it releases methane, which rises to the top of the container, which is like a big red tank with this like dome atop of it. Um, and then they use that methane to generate electricity. And it powers the whole farm, and it puts energy back onto the grid. And supposedly, according to this article... Um, it produces enough energy to power 1,500 homes. Oh, wow. Or like the, they have, I think they have multiple digesters in that one farm, and the combined energy from that is that much power. That's, that's, a, lot, that's a lot of power. Yes. Wow. Um, and on top of that, they can use any leftover liquids from the process as uh, fertilizer for the farm, too. Ew. Yeah. I mean, it, it's, not, it, it's kind of a gross process, but yeah. it's a good process. I just hope you can't smell it. Yeah, they didn't. They didn't comment on that. They didn't comment on if you could smell it. Uh, you probably can smell it. Um, <laughs> but also on top of that, the farmers are paid rent by this Vanguard company to like keep the digesters on their property, basically. Okay. So they make a bunch of money, mm-hmm. and they're like powering their farm, mm-hmm. and they have fertilizer, and it's like good for the environment. And so it's just like this nice win-win situation for yeah, everyone. It's a win-win, win-win, I think. I think it's it a f- four wins. It's multiple wins. It's a lot of wins. It's a lot of wins. Yeah. Um, and this article said that apparently there are thousands of these in operation in Europe already. So the hope is that that will spread more to the U.S., that that concept will take off over here. Yeah. And more of them will be installed here. Um, Sounds like there are probably no downsides except the smell. Yes. Sorry, I'm just but, real, I mean, if I'm you're real a, hung up on the smell. A dairy farm? Doesn't it smell probably, like cows yeah. and stuff anyway? You're probably already used to the smell. I don't, I don't think it's like introducing... This is probably part of the reason why they want to put it... There's multiple reasons why they would keep the machine on a farm. Right. A, because they put manure in it. Uh-huh. B, they use it, the output, a little bit of it to fertilize stuff. Uh-huh. See the smell uh-huh. is already there. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> You're so worried about the smell. This it was really just, it's got to be gross. Hot, yeah, it probably is. Hot they're waste. like cooking. They're cooking <laughs> w- like rotting food. The part of food that you don't want. And cow manure. Yeah. Together. Yeah. They're cooking that. They're heating it up. Yeah. Ew. That's disgusting like that it's, probably it's, smells actually it probably just smell worse than normal yeah than normal smells on the farm yeah put it way far away from the farmhouse That's yeah what, what what where did they put these i, I mean hopefully on, they're far away yeah i don't know my next story is science news this is from cnn scientists used speakers to make dead coral wreaths reef wreaths to the season <clears throat> Scientists used speakers to make dead coral reefs sound healthy. The fish came back. No way. Yeah, way. 
Uh, a team of scientists from the UK and Australia teamed up to use underwater loudspeakers to try and entice fish back to dead coral reefs and potentially help them recover, a process that they, a process they are calling acoustic enrichment. Um, they placed loudspeakers on patches of dead coral in the Great Barrier Reef and discovered that twice as many fish arrived and stayed compared to equivalent patches where no sound was played. It made that much of a difference. That is so cool. They kind of described in the article apparently like the sound of shrimp snapping or something and like fish just making sounds. Like apparently reefs, reefs are usually actually quite loud. Um, okay, I didn't I mean, at least that. to like underwater observers. So yeah. um, it makes a big difference apparently in uh, like presenting the reef as lively if it, if it has these sounds played. Huh. Um, so Tim Gordon, a marine biologist from the University of Exeter and the lead author of the study, said the returning fish could help ecosystems recover and give those degraded patches of coral a chance of new life. Uh, fish are crucial for coral reefs to function as healthy ecosystems, not surprising. Um, boosting fish populations in this way could help to kickstart natural recovery processes, counteracting the damage we're seeing on many coral reefs around the world. Um, this new research not only saw the number of fish uh, double um, through the use of these water uh, loudspeakers, but they also saw an increase in the number of species present by 50%. So not only was it more fish, it was a wider variety of fish, which is also very important to a, yeah. a healthy ecosystem is the biodiversity. Um, so the authors are cautious, cautiously optimistic, but suggest there is a long road ahead for reef recovery still. Uh, Andy Radford, who is a co-author of the study and a professor in behavioral ecology at the University of Bristol, says acoustic enrichment is a promising technique for management on, on a local basis. However, we still need to tackle a host of other threats, including climate change, overfishing, and water pollution in order to fully protect these fragile ecosystems. So no surprise there either. Just obviously yeah. this isn't going to be enough to save all the coral reefs in the world, but it can help with local ones. Um, yeah. Also, this study only tracked the fish in the reefs for 40 days, so they didn't actually see if they like established themselves there and like started breeding or anything um and they're hoping to have future work to monitor the, the reefs for longer to see if they do stay long term and start to breed in the locations so still well, it's kind of cool to see like yeah such a small change can make such a big difference that's such a great idea mm -hmm. um it's interesting because my first thought was that well what if okay the fish are drawn there but then they see the state of it and they're like oh there's not, the resources <laughs> aren't actually, you know what I mean? Like, yeah, yeah, it's, that's it, what I would worry about. Maybe it's more important that they, they have like the structure of the coral reef than the actual coral. I, I would imagine it wouldn't be good for fish that feed on coral, but for ones that just are used to living in the structure and have abandoned mm -hmm. it because it got quiet or yeah. and otherwise abandoned, maybe that's enough. Yeah. Um, I'm not really sure. I'm not a marine biologist, so. <laughs> <laughs> Me neither. <laughs> Okay, that's awesome. Okay, so that combined with the one story we had a while ago about the reproducing coral. Remember yes. that? Yeah, yeah, I remember that so they were able to like like breed coral breed in coral a lab. and then then reintroduce that and then add some sounds, make it a real party. Yeah. And bring everybody and bring back. Bring everyone back. Yeah. There you go. We have two huge pieces of the puzzle right there. Okay, my next story is random local news. This is from CNN. And the headline is, A couple surprised their Denny's waitress, who walked hours to work, with a new car. Well, that's nice. Yes. This is a very uplifting story. Yeah. 
Almost every day, Adriana Edwards walked over four hours to and from work. She was walking like 14 miles. That's unbelievable. To get to her job. That's, that's what this article said. That's insane. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Okay. Sorry, so, go on. <laughs> so, okay. So this past week, a random couple was dining at Denny's, where she was working, um, and they found out that she was walking that far to get to her job and back home. And then she was saving up money to buy a car. And then the couple finished their meal, left the restaurant, and came back with a 2011 Nissan Sentra <laughs> and gave the car to her. So, okay, so like not the not an amazing not like, car. It's not like a Porsche, but <laughs> it's a good. I mean, it's a car. Yeah, they bought her, her a car, and then um, now she has a thirty-minute commute in the car. And the couple said all they they wanted in return was for her to pay it forward, basically. Mm-hmm. And she said she was going to do that. And the couple wanted to remain anonymous, and that's the whole story. Wow. That's such a nice gesture. I know. Can you imagine that? Like you're working in a restaurant and like someone that you just meet at the restaurant gets you something that yeah. big. Like, <laughs> yeah, I just, like a I car. can't even, I just can't, I don't, I can't I even imagine can't that. I just can't imagine working four also hours. That. Yeah. I also can't that is imagine that unbelievable. Either. Just the dedication. Right. That like would take? The, the, I would have, I, I would, have no motivation to walk that distance for a job. Like, no, I don't think I would either. I, I mean, I would just. I guess if you have, like, obviously some people have to. Yeah, of course. Like, yeah, but I just. It's like my my first reaction when I heard that was almost like, did can did she find? Could she find something that was like closer walking right. distance? Maybe, but maybe I not. It, I don't know maybe what her if it's in a are. rural area or something. Yeah. Maybe there aren't a lot of job options around. Yeah, especially not something a walking distance. Yeah, I for just, sure. Yeah, it all depends just, on like where you live and like what's around you and stuff. So it just had to be such a frustrating situation for her. Mm-hmm. And hopefully, this makes God. I just yeah. I and I'm just like wondering how long was she so doing that for? Know. You know. I mean, that's an extra seven hours in the day. Mm-hmm. That's just, that's awesome. But yeah, it just was, this is the kind of Ugh. thing that you hear about and it's like, yes, there's good people in this world Yeah, that want to help others. Mm-hmm. And that was just something, that was just really nice. That's a really nice gesture. Yeah. Good things do happen. And uh, there's good people out there. We appreciate you, and um, so if you are having an existential crisis, <laughs> yes, uh, hopefully that helped. Yes, my next story is food news. More food news! Yay! Well, maybe not. Yay! Uh, this is from the Hill. Oh, no. uh, U.S. may face French fry shortage due to poor potato crop this year. Oh no! Really? Oh, yeah. Um, the uh, U.S. may like okay. They just repeated the headline in the first sentence of the story, but uh, the U.S. may f- uh, face a French fry so- shortage due to a poor potato crop caused by cold and wet weather this year. Um, potato producers say that they are attempting to purchase potatoes from across the continent after multiple harvests in Canada and the U.S. were ruined. The potato crop forecast in the U.S. is at the lowest since 2010, according to a oh. U.S. Department of Agriculture report. So almost 10 years. That's a wow. 
that's all that's a lack that's of potatoes. 10 years. Uh, yeah, that's, a, that's a whole 10 years. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> uh, so last month, frost hit potato farms across North America with farmers in Manitoba, North Dakota, and Minnesota all losing crops. Um, Canada is also expected to have a higher demand for potatoes because of an increase in fry processing capacity, which could pr- prompt higher prices and limited potatoes for the U.S. as well. So Canada might be taking more potatoes than usual, too which just means there's an okay. even lower supply for us. Um, French fry demand has just been outstanding lately, and so supplies can't meet the demand, which is, according to Travis Blacker, uh, Industry Relations Director with the Idaho Potato Commission. Hmm. So apparently people want a lot of fries, and we might not have enough potatoes for them this year. It's hard to say. I don't know. I'm going to have to... Cut down on my French fry consumption, which actually is not very high. Actually, or I'm thinking about it, you have to get more fries now while the getting's good. <laughs> yeah, wait, that's the strategy. You have to beat the shortage. Start now. Stock up. You just stock up on like freezer French just fries. Just go to the, yeah. Just go grab all the Orida. Yeah, I, that's the only frozen <laughs> brand of French fries I know. This episode not brought to you by Orida. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, get stock up now. Quick. Yeah. Though they did also say at the end of the article that some producers aren't actually that concerned because they think Northeast Ohio, or not Northeast Ohio. (laughs) (laughs) Because they think uh, the Northeast U.S. potato supply will make up for the shortages in the other regions. Oh, okay. But it's it's a May. It may be a shortage. Well, thanks for the alert. I'm going to go buy some frozen french fries. Also, I just want to talk about the effect of frost on plants. I actually, even though I don't really know anything about farming, I actually learned about that from the Little House on the Prairie books when I was a kid. Oh, look at that. There's a whole scene where there's a frost and everyone, somehow someone knows that there's a frost and the whole family gets up in the middle of the night and they have to like go out into the fields and put water on all the plants to melt the frost before the sun hits it or something like that. Huh. Because it was something like once the sun hits a frosted plant or something, it'll like kill it or something like it was something something weird like that like they had to go out and they were like splashing everything with water to melt the frost like before the sun came up it, it just like seems there was like some type of timing it, if you make it wet and then it if it's already a freezing temperature isn't that just gonna freeze on I, the I don't know i don't know but how scientifically accurate is little house <laughs> on the prairie probably not very scientifically accurate but i just remember that scene because i was an like expose. oh and it was saying like they only got like three quarters of the field or something before the sun came up. And then it was like that other quarter, they were like going to lose the plants because of the frost. Huh. And I was always like, Whoa, that's weird. You know, like (laughs) I remember it for some reason. So. Yeah. I just know it. I just know it's killed some stuff I've put in for landscaping before. (laughs) Well now that in the deer, if you ever see it frost, you can maybe try getting up in the middle of the night and just splashing water on things. And see if it it helps. (laughs) No, you don't think that no. you think that'd be worth it? No, I'd, ra- I'd rather sleep. <laughs> All right, it's time for breaking news. The part of the show where Anthony and I look up stories that just happened today or were just posted today, and we read them to you on the fly. Frost. Ready, set, go. go! All right, I found something on HuffPost.com. Uh... Evacuation slide falls from Delta jet onto Massachusetts, ma- Massachusetts man's front yard. 
you know, one of those like safety slides that come out the plane, like if there's a uh-huh. crash landing or something. So it just one of them fell, fell out of a plane. Yeah, it fell out of a plane into someone's front yard randomly. And I don't know <laughs> why, like, I don't, what? this just happened today. Uh-huh. Like, no one was hurt or anything, but like. Okay. Apparently, this plane was like flying to the Boston airport and it flew, it was, it, this slide came just, out. It fell off. It just fell out of it somehow and I, landed <laughs> in someone's yard. Like. Oh gosh. Yeah. And it didn't, it like, it doesn't say why it happened. Like the pilot heard a noise and they didn't know what the noise was. And then they found out later that this slide, it was not inflated or anything. It was just, you know, a giant plastic pile whatever, uh, fell out of the plane. That- like, how does that happen? Isn't that one of the things they check before they take off, you would think? Yeah, you would like, think. Like, make sure that's safely stowed. Well, and then, like, where do... Is there there's just, like, some compartment by the wing, maybe, that, that comes out? Or, like, outside of a door? Like, well, I don't understand outside how it of the falls uh, out. emergency exit, right? Isn't that, like, those, yeah, those but middle for some, rows? Yeah, but for some reason, I thought that you had to open the door and then, like, deploy the thing. But mm-hmm. apparently it's in some compartment that is can just open up and fall out the plane. Like, I don't know. <laughs> this is just so, this was really funny to me. Like, I'm like, what? In the middle of the flight, somebody just opened the emergency door. Oh, nobody yeah, nobody else part. on the plane reacted. <laughs> They're all just like, can you shut that? Yeah. That's just left out of the story. It's yeah. just like, yeah, somehow yeah. the slide ended up out. That was the, no- of the and plane. that was the noise. The, po- the, the, uh, the pilot heard is just, Oh, somebody opened the door. Yeah. It's fine. Also, according to this, the owner of the house was actually outside when this happened. Oh, my god! Like, they were outside doing yard work. And so was their neighbor. Like, them and their neighbor were both outside, and this thing fell into, their front, into the front yard. Like, can you imagine that no, experience? No, I can't. I don't. <laughs> you, know, you know me. I don't do well with jump scares. Something falling out of the sky into my yard while I'm out there, I would... I would probably pass out. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. I would, I mean, I might do that too because that's not like a movie jump scare. That's like a. That's something falling from the sky yeah. jump scare. Yeah. I'd assume some kind of plastic aliens had, had landed. That, yeah, like what? It could be anything. Like you don't know what it is. No. Yeah. It's Especially crazy. if it's not fully inflated. I don't know what it. Yeah. What just like, what did that look like falling from the sky? It was just a weird, slivery pile of plastic, probably. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Bizarre. It's yeah. just bizarre. Uh, you know, there's planes flying over us all the time, and they could drop things. At any Think time. about that. Like people, or <laughs> luggage, <laughs> or a wing, I mean, what, oh or like one of the emergency Giant exit ice doors. chunks, which I've actually heard of happening. Oh, that's actually, that's actually probably legit. That actually scary. happens. Yeah, because they, they have like sometimes giant chunks of ice stuck on the bottom of them uh, that can like dislodge and fall down and like hit things. Oh goodness. That's like, good. that's actually happened. Before yeah. I've seen it. Oh, just, I don't, you never know. See, I was just kidding. And now I'm, <laughs> now I'm actually scared. <laughs> Hopefully oh, there's no people, but I don't know. Someone in with a parachute might come down and there's planes. I don't know. There's planes all over the place. <laughs> there's planes everywhere. <laughs> They're everywhere. Ah! Up to, to here in planes. <laughs> uh, I found my story on CNN. Uh, McDonald's is testing out a fried chicken sandwich in two cities. <laughs> no way. No way. Okay. All I right. just made All myself right. the de facto chicken reporting person, I guess. That's I don't great. Know. I like it. I um, love it. 
Uh, so the chain is testing out a crispy chicken sandwich made with a fried chicken filet topped with butter and crinkle cut b- pickles on a potato roll. So if any of that sounds familiar. Um, <laughs> McDonald's is also testing out a deluxe version of the sandwich, which has tomatoes, lettuce, and mayo. Um, they're doing these tests in Knoxville, Tennessee, and Houston, Texas. Okay. And they're, the tests are taking place now through January 26th. So I guess they just started. Okay. Um, so obviously, this is to compete. <laughs> uh, <laughs> McDonald's already serves the McChicken, which I don't know what that would be compared to this. Okay, the McChicken is not good. I've never had it, and it's, I don't. It's just like a generic pressed like chicken patty. Oh, on a bun. is that it's the that. difference? Is that it would be like an actual cut of chicken instead of I would hope. being chicken ground yeah, chicken. Yeah, it's not. Yeah, it's it's not like good which chicken. Is like the most disgusting ground meat to work with. I don't know if you've ever, if you've ever uh, used raw, not ground, ground chicken. Chicken, no, and actually, no, I don't think I've I have. made like ground chicken meat, like chicken meatballs before. Oh, it's so gross. <laughs> it's, I mean, think about yeah. how gross raw chicken already raw is. Raw chicken is already, and then grind it up into it's it's Ew. it's icky. Tastes great, um, <laughs> but uh, yeah. So they already served the McChicken and and have tested out a number of different chicken sandwiches, none of which. I've had, um, but its offer offerings have failed to inspire the type of excitement surrounding other popular fried chicken sandwiches. Um, the new version could be a way to bring in more customers, better compete with rivals like Popeye's and Chick-fil-A, obviously, mm-hmm. and to placate its franchise operators, uh, which have been lobbying hard for the menu item. Um, hmm. there was a quote from, there's like a quote from, um, a letter sent to like McDonald's corporate by like an association of franchise owners saying, uh, one item our customers really want is a chicken sandwich, but they have to go to Chick-fil-A to get it. <laughs> so, oh, yeah. I mean, fair point. it does make sense for them to do it. And they do have other chicken sandwiches, which I have had, mm-hmm. but they're not the same. Like they're not. And I mean, it's also, it's McDonald's, so it's not going to be the same. Yeah. But maybe it'll be a cheap alternative. I, well, I doubt it'll be an alternative. It, the just Popeye's the chicken is, sandwich is so good. It's the bre- I mean, honestly, actually, it's the chicken quality and the breading. Mm-hmm. Neither one of which is up to par. It's the pickle brine. That's the that's the big difference. Yeah. They brine on their chicken and pickles. Mm-hmm. Um, a spokesperson told CNN Business on Monday that while Knoxville and Houston are getting a sneak peek, everyone else should stay tuned for what's to come in 2020. So they're probably going to roll it out nationwide. Spo- All right. Spoiler. <laughs> if you're going to figure that one out from context clues. Uh, well... Okay, when that happens, I would be down for having a, a three test. sandwich. Yeah, we could t- get oh, all three and just compare all them. Three, that would be interesting. That'd be fun. Yeah. yeah. And could, the only thing is, I could definitely identify the chicken sandwiches by appearance. Oh yeah, well, it, it probably can't be a blind test in that yeah, case. It would definitely not be blind because I would also be able to identify them. Yeah, I think they're very distinctive looking. I think. Mm-hmm. But I still haven't tried the Popeyes one. I need to. Yeah, it's really good. It's just the lines are going to be long. Yeah, well, still probably maybe still. it's maybe not. Now. I don't know. It's been weeks since like maybe a month since I had the one that I had. Yeah, but yeah. Okay. Also, well, McDonald's didn't say anything about a spicy one, and that's mm, like that's what I really want is a spicy chicken sandwich. But I guess I'll make well, do. With, I mean, I'm not going to go to McDonald's anyway. Who am I kidding? But. <laughs> 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 I st- and McDonald's fries are pretty good. They are good. But I we might not have any this year. Oh yeah. Go to McDonald's. There's a fry shortage. Tell them to give you give the, give you all the fries that they have. See if they'll sell you one of their just bags all, of their no, fries. All of them. Tell them you want all of their fries. <laughs> it's like 
<laughs> that, that, that one episode of Parks, Parks and, and Rec. Rec. Yeah. <laughs> give me all of the French fries <laughs> that you have. Yeah, give me, I, I think you might have misunderstood, misunderstood me. <laughs> give me all of the French fries that you have. <laughs> That'd be so epic. Yeah. Do it. Prepare. I'm thinking about it. I'm thinking about it. Prepare. All right. That's our show. Thanks for listening, everybody. We post episodes every Friday. And as always, the links to this week's stories will be in the episode description. You can subscribe to Knickknack News on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever else you get your podcasts. And uh, while you're there, you could leave a review, a rating, five stars. Yeah, tell your if friends. If you feel like it. Uh, share. Yeah, tell people, people about that's how, this podcast. That's how people find out is when you tell them. Mm-hmm. Because we don't tell them. We're telling yeah, you. Yeah, we barely do any marketing <laughs> except for this. So. Except for this, yeah. We're just, we're just so telling just, you. We're counting on you guys. Just tell, just tell people about it. Yeah. And uh, they can try it out. Really, you should be honored. We're putting so much faith in you. Uh, <laughs> and you can follow us on Facebook at facebook.com slash news and on Twitter at, at News. All right. We'll see you next week. Bye. Bye.